We're starting a new series today titled Rhythms. Now, I'm going to be very honest and full disclosure with you. I ain't got no rhythm. Okay? I'm, I'm, I, I, my type of rhythm is this. It's like... I'm just off beat all the time. Patty and I will go, you know, whatever, and there's music. And she was like, come on, honey, feel the beat. Feel the beat. Now, like, I don't feel squat deadly. I, I ain't got no rhythm. Some people have a lot of rhythm. Rhythm in music affects how the music comes out, right? It can mess it up. Now, Again, I have no rhythm, and I can't play musical instruments, so to me, I equate it to food, too. So, you know, there's a rhythm to your cooking, right? I mean, if you cook something too fast, you can mess it up. I'll give you an example. I like my steak well done. I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people are like, oh, my God, how are you destroying the meat that way? Anyways, I like my steak well done. But here's the secret. When you're going to cook a steak well done, you cannot, under any circumstance, it fire it up on high heat because you burn the outside and leave it raw on the inside. So cooking it too fast destroys that piece of meat. You know, we watch cooking shows, my wife and I, and we'll watch these people like on Top Chef and in different things where, where they're like in a competition, they've got four hours to cook and prep, and they try to make a dish that regularly takes like 72 hours to prepare. Have you ever seen that in one of these shows? And they're like, well, it usually takes me three days, but I'm going to try to make it in four hours. You nimwit, you're going home that day. Why? Because you're trying to do something too fast. The rhythm is off pace, and it gets messed up. You know what else messes up good dishes? Too many ingredients. Oh, let me add a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Before you take it, take a spoonful. Like, no good. You added too many. It messed up the rhythm of the dish. And what can also mess up a rhythm of a dish is inconsistency. Now, what do I mean by inconsistency? How many of you cook, not following a recipe, but by just, you know, what I am seeing that I do? How many of you do that, right? So you make a dish. Let's say you made a carne con papa, a beef stew, right? And you added a little of this and that, and it came out amazing. It's like, man, next week I'm going to make another one. But you go to make it, and since you weren't following a recipe, you were kind of just doing it al ojo, right? You were just kind of seeing what you did. It's inconsistent. It doesn't come out the same. Patty and I, we joke around this all the time because I enjoy cooking. Patty does not, right? So she cooks because she has to sometimes, and I was busy, and we needed to eat, right? We got to eat. I, I like to eat. So sometimes she'll make something that, that, that was a home run. And I'm like, hon, that was amazing. She's like, pray that I can remember what I put in it. <laughs> I'm like, write it down. Because whatever you did this time, it was good. But it was inconsistent. And the inconsistency can ruin the rhythm. And what is rhythm, right? Like, I'm going to define rhythm. Rhythm is, is, is in what we're talking about today, or going to talk about today, and in this series, is dealing with your life and what's going on in it, the pace of your life, the activities in your life, the space between the activities in your life. Because we have so many things going on that we get out of pace and out of rhythm. Look what the scripture says in Luke chapter 10. It said, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, this is Jesus, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
And she said, had her sister called Mary, who also sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, Jesus could have looked at her and said, Martha, you are out of rhythm. You're more worried about what's going on and all the things that have to take place so much so that you're willing to get the person that's in rhythm out of rhythm. I mean, have you ever been actually at rhythm and outbeat and the person next to you is offbeat and it throws you off? Anybody? Man, you know, we're in a small sanctuary. So I, I remember Pastor Zach would tell me sometimes, like, our brother Ivan Perez, man, I miss Ivan Perez so much. I was thinking about him the other day. He passed away a few months ago. But Ivan loved to worship, but a lot of times, man, he'd get offbeat. And sometimes Zach, Pastor Zach would come and was like, Pastor, can you talk to Brother Ivan? Like, tell him not to scream it out at us or whatever. So we finally got into in-ears, right? So they all have things. They can't hear you anymore. And, and, and that's a good thing, because sometimes we're so close. I remember Pastor Fernie has a story. He says a church he used to go to uh, when he was younger. He was sitting in the front, and he would, you know, be singing. And the worship leader came and said, said pa- uh, uh, he wasn't a pastor then, but said, Brother Fernie, please stand in the back to worship, right? It, it is totally throwing us off, because if you are on rhythm and on point, and the person next to you is not, it can throw you off. So that's what Martha was saying. Martha was trying to get married to her rhythm instead of allowing herself to get into the rhythm with Jesus. Now, there's been something major in our society that has begun to thwart our rhythm, and it's this. It's progress. Progress. Okay. Now, what do I mean by progress? Well, we've made progress in three different areas, three different tools of progress. Right? We've made progress in our educational system. In education, we've made progress in technology. We've made progress in the economy. For crying out loud, we've got companies like Apple worth a trillion dollars with a T. Some of you don't know how many zeros that is, and it's okay. It's three more than a billion. They have increased all these things with the idea that progress is going to get us to this type of utopian society where everything's good and everything's at peace. But here's the truth. Progress does not equal or bring peace. It does not. Progress doesn't bring peace. Progress in our systems have gotten us so out of whack that we are trying to follow suit with everything and we are out of rhythm and out of sync with the way that God created us and God wants us to be. Progress. And progress has done this. It's brought so many burdens onto us that it's become to burden us to such a degree that it overwhelms us. And we're overwhelmed with the actual progress. I mean, think about technology for a second. Technology has replaced so many things. I mean, technology has spa- replaced our, our memory in so many things. How many of you know phone numbers of people? Right? I was at Home Depot the other day, and this lady needed to call. I don't know if it was her husband or who it was that was going to come help her pick up what she was buying. And she's, like, she's asking people for a charger for her phone. 
And that his lady's like, I don't have a charger, but I can lend you my phone. She's like, no, 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 is that I'm out of battery and I don't know the phone number of my, and I think it was her husband. And I got to call him to help me pick up the thing. So I need to find a charger to give power to my phone so that I can, it's made us dumber. I mean, autocorrect, spelling. We're mess- my daughter has an Alexa in her room. Sometimes she'll come in, daddy, how do I spell this? And I'm like, go ask Alexa. She's like, Alexa, how do you spell everybody? You spell everybody, E-V-E-R-Y-B-O, whatever. It, 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 O-D-Y, I know how to spell it, just in case. <laughs> just want to be thorough. I was spelling everybody. I know how to spell it, but... Alexa, what's the temperature? Now we have refrigerators that know that you're missing three eggs, so they order you a dozen eggs. And they're listening to everything. I mean, you're just in the room and you talk about the fact that you need a new refrigerator. You don't even look it up. You don't even Google search. And you go on your phone and there it is. Home Depot specials on refrigerators. Does it happen to anybody? Yeah, Siri's always listening. So's Alexa. So's the Google one. So they're all. They're always listening. That's the way technology has advanced. And all of this has gotten to this point that it's overwhelming us and is beginning to destroy us, and is beginning to get us to this place. And here's the thing. It's a danger at times to progress if you're not doing it the way that God wants you to do. So I want to mention something for you. There are five different areas or environments of progress. The first one is natural progress in our natural being. The second one is cognitive progress. The third one is social progress. The fourth one is spiritual progress. And the last one that I want to talk about is emotional progress. Now, here's the issue. As a society, we've only focused on the first two. We focus on natural progress. We focus on cognitive progress. And we leave the other ones to the side. I mean, think about social progress. How many of you know people that can do all kinds of things, but they can't interact with other humans. Or emotional progress. Come on. Anybody know some 50, 60, 70-year-olds with the emotional IQ of my one-and-a-half-year-old? I mean, I can go with stories for days in my line of work. (laughs) So I talk to people. And sometimes it's like, come on. Your emotional progress is off the charts in the negative side. Why? Because we've only focused on the natural and on the cognitive, learning more. I mean, think about, think about the amount of information. When I was a kid, the only place you got information was if you were blessed enough, you had an encyclopedia in your house. And if not, you went to the library. Today, it's, hey, Alexa, how do you, hey, Alexa, what's 10 times 12, right? Like everything just spits it right back out to you. Alexa, tell me a joke. And she does it. And what has happened is that all of these things have begun to overwhelm us and this overload brings overwhelmment. And we have begun to go past our limits. Society tells us that limits are weaknesses. When in reality, limits keep you in check and in place to where you're supposed to be. 
We get, you put these pressures and stuff like we have something on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. We finally tell somebody, ask us to do something on Thursday. Like, listen, man, I can't. I just can't anymore. What do you mean you can't? No, why are you limiting? Why is this? We are trying, we're going and we're so stressed out with it that is destroying our life because we are out of rhythm and out of sync. Limits are not the enemy of our lives. I like to equate it to boundaries. I've given this example many times. My wife and I, we live on a lake. And when we bought the lake, Abigail was, or not the lake, the house, Abigail was about six, six months old or so, right? And so we move into this house and the backyard did not have a fence towards the lake. It had fences on the sides, but it didn't have a fence towards the lake. Well, at six months old, not a big deal. But when she became a little older and started walking and things, the first investment I did was put a fence along the back. Well, why did I do that? Well, putting the fence, the limit, the boundary actually gave her freedom to play in the backyard. And we're out of rhythm and out of sync because we're living a life without limits and boundaries, not realizing that the limitation and the boundary brings you freedom and peace. And we're thinking that that boundary is an enemy when that limitation is actually a source of freedom. So I want to go, and I'm just going to go up on the screen. I want to talk about 18 types of overloads that we face today. The first one is activity overload. Have you gotten a school, how many of you had school-aged children? Have you gotten a school calendar recently? And for crying out, my, my daughters go to a school where it, it, it's a language program. So they have a French program, a Spanish program, a German program, and the regular educational program. And every one of the programs is always having activities. And it's like this fundraiser and this thing and this to the other. And it's like, and they send you the, 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 the email and it's like 72 pages long. No, we get a weekly communicator. It's literally like 70 pages long sometimes. Activity, kazuntite. Activity overload. Soccer, swim, baseball, football, basketball, game, this, that. We are overloaded with activities, overloaded with change. I mean, do you remember the days where you only paid stuff with cash? And then, no, you're too young. Um, And then it changed to credit card. And then the magnetic strips would get messed up if it was close to the phone. So, and they would get duplicated and stuff. So now it has a chip. And now some of the cards don't even need the chip. You just put it on top of it. And it's like the the, the magic band at Disney World. Or you have it to your watch or you have it to your thing. And there's so many things of changing. And so many changes you have no idea what's going on. Overloaded with activities. Overloaded with change. Overloaded with choices. I remember going to the supermarket and going to the cereal aisle and there was like frosted flakes from Kellogg's and there was corn flakes from Kellogg's, maybe every once in a while Rice Krispies, but now it's like 17 types of corn flakes and another four types of frosted flakes for crying out loud, just need one frosted flakes, man. Don't mess up Tony the Tiger. I don't want wheat frosted flakes or this frosted flakes. Just give me my frosted flakes. You got all these different things. You, you go over to the, the pasta aisle. And it's like, yeah, tricolor pasta, wheat pasta, gluten-free pasta, this and that of the other pasta, and this pasta. And, and, and it's like, I, that's why, that's one of the reasons I really like Costco. Because the, the, you just buy in bulk and the limits are, it's, it's a little easier. It's two, two pasta sauces. 
Do I want that one or do I want that one? Go to, go, go to Publix, 84 different pastas. 78 different sauces. Overloaded with choice. Commitments. I got to be here and I got to be there and I got to be there. I mean, what happens with our, with our, our airplanes, right? The flight that leaves here at 7 in the morning, flies over there, gets there at 9, leaves over there at 9.30 to be back here, to leave here at 11. Once the first one goes off, all of them are messed up. Because we have overloaded our commitments and we're stretched so thin that one little thing goes wrong, everything goes wrong. Overloaded with communication. I mean, you can get iMessage. SMS message, you can get messages on GroupMe, you can get messages on WhatsApp, you can get messages on 78 different things, or you can get the messages on, on, uh, for us, like our, our teacher emails us, our daughter's teacher emails us, but sometimes sends messages on Class Dojo, or sometimes sends us to Shutterfly. I'm like, really? It's one. Pick one. Please, just one. Message me through one. Cause it's everywhere. Debt. Do you know that the average American in this country has $6,500 in credit card debt, unsecured debt? And I'm not talking about your revolving credit card. I'm talking about the one that you're carrying a balance. And if you add your mortgage and stuff like that, the average American has about $180,000 of debt. Overloaded with debt. Number seven, we're overloaded. You almost fell down there. You all right? All right. I didn't see it, but I heard the misstep. <laughs> Overloaded with decisions. We got to make a decision about everything, and everything has to be decided right now. Overloaded with decisions, with expectations, because we don't want to let anybody down. And everybody's expecting this or that or the other. I, overloaded. Overloaded with fatigue. Do you know that your body is not built to live on four hours of sleep? Put it, go, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse uh, uh, 21. For there is a man whose labors with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who had not labored for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. Verse 22. For what has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart, which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful, his work is burdensome, even to the night his heart takes no rest. We're not able to sleep because we're conditioned to four hours. We're not able to sleep because we're so overburdened with stuff that we can't sleep. And we can't live off fatigue. We're overburdened with hurry. Come on, hurry up. We want everything fast. And everything is like in a hurry, in a hurry, in a hurry to get to the next place because we have 78 commitments and we got to follow. Overburdened with information. I read an article or, or, or heard a statement that the average New York Times article has more information than what a 17th century man in Great Britain would have learned in their entire lifetime. I'm going to say that again. One New York Times article, not article, uh, edition, has more information that what a 17th century man would have learned in their entire lifetime. Information overload. Media overload. Everywhere, bombarded. Every media outlet, everything. Social media is included here too. 
People addicted to their social media and their stuff. Man, get rid of that crap if you don't need it. Get rid of it if you don't need it. It can destroy. I've seen it destroy so many families. Number 13, noise overload. I get overloaded with noise very easily because I have very sensitive hearing. It's like sometimes we're in the car, we have stuff up, and I've got Alexandra and Abigail doing back there, and one is on one device doing one homework, the other one's on the other one, the baby's like singing a song, Patty's talking to me, the music's on, and I'm like, at least I have control over one thing. Boom, turn off the radio. At least one. Because overloaded with noise. Or you're in the house, right? You're in the house, you got stuff going on. Again, Alexa's talking in a room, the kids are playing in the other, the iRobot is going around cleaning your floors, the, the dishwasher's on, the fridge is making noise. Everything is noise, overloaded with it. Possessions, people, I skipped people. Man, there's some people in our lives that we might need to cut out because they're just sucking and not benefiting and not helping. But we have that, we have expectations, then okay, al mar, and I gotta be this, and I gotta do that, and we have people overload, possessions overloads. I remember when Patty and I first got married, uh, we, we had to get a, we got, or, or we had a, got a storage unit to put a bunch of stuff in, and we were paying monthly for this five by ten storage unit, and at one point, I, I, I got smart, and I was like, hold on a second, let's measure what we're paying in a year, and what would it cost to replace every single item in that storage unit, if I had to? Guess what? It was cheaper to throw it all away and buy it again if I needed to than paying monthly for a storage unit. Because, oh, I gotta get, I can't keep, I, I gotta, we're overloaded with possessions, with technology. I'll give you another example about technology. I, I have Apple, right? I have an Apple Watch, I have iPads, I have a MacBook, I, I've got an iPhone, and they're all connected. So I'll be sitting there, and, and somebody calls me, like my wife will call or anybody call, and my iPad rings, my phone wing, rings, my computer says, Patty is calling you, uh, and I can answer on any of the devices. I can answer it on my computer, I can answer it on my iPad, I can answer it on my watch, I can, I am so, I mean, it's technology everywhere. I read another thing, I'm not sure if it's completely accurate, but it's, it gave an estimation that in your average lifetime in today's society, you will learn how to operate 20,000 technological devices. My daughters have a kitty zoom. It's a little kid watch that allows you to take pictures. We were on vacation in Disney, and we're like going to take the Disney photo pass, the thing we're doing it with our phones, and then Alexander Abbott would be like, hold on, I want to take a picture of Goofy. And the, the photographer's like, is she taking a picture with her watch? I was like, yeah, she is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, oh my God, that is so cool. Oh, so, so, look at this. We have so much technology everywhere. Traffic. <laughs> we all know about traffic in Miami. I, I was talking to somebody a couple months back. They live out close to Fort Lauderdale. One of them, of the couple, works in Key Biscayne. They spent two hours there and two hours back every day, plus the eight or ten hour shift that you do. So here's my question. Who's to blame if that marriage crumbles or the children deviate and go into all kinds of stuff? Was four hours of the traffic worth it? We're overloaded. And work. You know, guys, we need to learn how to leave work at home. I'm not at home, at work. <laughs> Don't take your work home, is what I meant to say. Like, leave the office and leave the office. 
because we're overburdened. And then you know what happens when we have all these overloads on us? We get overwhelmed. And when we're overwhelmed with all these things, it brings a heck of a whole lot of stress. And stress is very sinister. I mean, stress is sickness. I'm going to give you another little tidbit. Watch this. Five out of the six leading causes of death, which include cancer, stroke, heart disease, uh, breathing disorders, five out of the six are contributed to highly by stress. Do you know that we spent in the world about $150 billion a year on cancer? And just in the United States, we spend about $300 billion a year on stress-related illnesses? Do you know that 70 to 90% of doctor visits are related to stress? I looked all this stuff up, and then I spoke to one of the doctors that comes to our church this morning. I said, hey, I want to verify this stuff that I'm going to say. I've read it. I researched it. But he's like, and you tell me, Pastor, if you're stressed out, your immune system goes down, you catch a cold. If you're stressed out, you have all these different, everything is cycled through. Stress. And it's destroying us. And it has faces. I'm going to give you a few faces of stress. Watch. Anxiety is a face of stress. Depression is a face of stress. Frustration is a face of stress. Anger is a face of stress. All these things are ways that stress is manifested into our lives. And it's not biblical. Because what did Jesus say in the book of Matthew? He said, come to me, those who are tired and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So what happens is that we are so out of rhythm because we're so overwhelmed with things that we push Jesus off to the side. I, I, we, I, we just went this week, we cut cable this week. All right, come on. Cut cable. We cut cable. Finally got a smart TV a few, about a month ago. We cut cable and, and, and now we're just doing streaming. And, and it, so far it's working pretty well. It's working decent. We'll, we'll, I'll let you know in a few months, but. The technician came, and the technician comes, and, and he's doing all his stuff. He's doing the thing. He's getting it all done, and, and, and when he finally finished, he sits there, and we start talking, and, 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 and I'm able to bring up the Lord, and, and we're talking. He's like, oh, but I, I know about God because I went to such and such school and went to a prominent school here in the, in the city that's religion-based. Religion he's like, I went to such and such school, so I know about God, but, you know, I have so many things, and I got this, and my kids, and my ex-wife, and my, my, my girlfriend, and, and my job, and I try to manage this and that and all these different things, and I'm like, look, sir, I mean, forgive me for intruding, but we're having this dialogue and conversation. You kind of got it all out of whack. You got to start making space for God first before all the other things. No, because it's hard. I was like, listen, start by replacing stuff. You're in your car a lot, right? Driving from job site to job site. like, yeah. I said, well, why don't you start? And I, I pull up my phone. I was like, look, I, I have this app. It's called YouVersion. And it lets you hear the Bible. And it's free. So why don't you start by replacing your first commute in the morning from radio to listening to the Word of God. Start with that. Start shifting things. Because you know what doctors and, and, and we're doing in our society? When people are overstressed, when people are overburdened because it's overwhelming of the stress, we're medicating stress 
as opposed to eliminating the causes of the stress. Here's this pill to make you feel better so that you can sleep. Here, here, oh, man, when I get home, I have to have my glass of wine so I can unwind. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you drinking a glass of wine. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. It's not a sin to drink a glass of wine. The Bible talks clearly that what is a sin is getting drunk. Okay. Now, if you're a person that's dealt with alcoholism, you shouldn't even have a glass of wine because one thing is going to lead to another. And that's a, different, that's a completely different ballgame, right? But here's the problem. If you're getting home and you have to have a glass of wine to help you unwind, that tells me that your life is out of rhythm. And you're using a substance to try to bring you the peace or similitude of rhythm that can only come from God. Again, there's nothing wrong with having a glass of wine. But what's the condition behind it? Because instead of us dealing with what's causing the stress and bringing the things down, no, 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 we're picking up second shifts and third shifts, second jobs and three jobs. Mom and dad are working, both of them, 67 hours a week so that they can get everything for the kid and what the kid wants is time with mom and dad. I read somewhere else that 25, 30 years ago, a person who was very wealthy lived in about a 1,500 uh, square foot house. Now... If your house isn't a certain five, six, seven thousand square feet, you haven't made it. Listen, let me tell you something. We're out of rhythm. Is it wrong to have a big house? Heck no. Is it wrong to have space? No. Is it wrong to want good things? No. But if your life is out of rhythm in order to achieve those things, you're cutting your life short. And you got to bring it back to rhythm. You know, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, there's not one in there that says, blessed are the multimillionaires. Blessed are the this. No, 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 no. We've got things out of whack. Is it wrong to make $100 million? Listen, no, it's not. But I've heard of so many people that that's their focus and they achieve it at the cost of their family. Come on, guys. Amazon, Bezos, right? Is that how you pronounce the last name? $186 billion worth. Not anymore because that divorce is going to cut it at least in half. It's sad. Truly sad. We are so focused on more, more, more that it brings a weight that we're not supposed to carry. And then we don't talk to each other about it. I'm going to talk husband and wife. We don't talk about it. I remember when Patty and I first got married, I had bought an apartment when I graduated from FIU and got hired as a teacher. I was able to buy an apartment. So I, I, I lived in a three-bedroom apartment with my mom. It was mine. So we go to get married. And I was like, hey, we're gonna, I'm going to find a place for my mom and she can get her her own you know, one-bedroom unit somewhere. And we'll, we'll live in the apartment. She was like, no, no, no. We got to sell the apartment and we go buy a house. I was like, I don't think so. Right now, the way the market was, I wasn't going to be able to make a whole lot of money on that apartment because I had bought when it was somewhat low and it was at two or three times the value. But guess what? I was going to buy a house that was going to be super overinflated and probably end up losing that house. So I told her, look, this is what we can do. You can paint everything you want. You can change every fixture. You can change every outlet. And she did. She bought all new outlets and all these things. We changed all kinds of different stuff. And we moved into the apartment. And then she would always subconsciously be looking at houses on apps. And I was putting a burden on myself because I wanted her to be happy. 
And one day I caught myself that I was just straining as to how do I make more money so I can buy a better house that my wife would like. And I sat down and I said, honey, I know you're not doing it on purpose, but all the time you spend on the app makes me feel like I am not being enough for you. And it clicked and she said, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I was putting a burden on you you didn't need. I love where we are. I love what's going on. And we stayed there a few more years until then the market ended up crashing. And we bought a house that sold during the height of the thing for about $700,000 at one point. And I bought it for $195. And we were, we were in God's thing. But here's the thing. I had to have the hard conversation. You can ask her. She's right there. Honey, this is not working. But what do we do? Oh, keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. Keep it quiet. No, no. I want to make sure she's happy. I make sure she's fine. And all of a sudden, we're out of rhythm. And then we're in counseling and this and that. And before you know it, things are destroyed. Why? Because we were out of rhythm. You want to know godly rhythm? By our good shepherd. Go to Psalm 23 for a minute. Man, I know I'm gotten long today, but are you receiving? All right, good. Psalm chapter 23. Tabs, if you can come to the piano, please. Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Do you see a theme there in the first few verses? I shall not want. Lie down in green pastures beside still waters even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me and that's a preaching even of itself because when you're talking about a shepherd's rod and staff it has a hook across the top have you ever seen it it's not a cane. It's so when the sheep begins to deviate, the shepherd can reach across and pull him over by the neck, gently back to line. God is our shepherd who wants to gently bring us back into rhythm. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Church, we got to get in rhythm. I can be honest. I, I can be transparent with you guys. I don't care if you judge me or not, but I'm going to be honest. I gave this example to the men on Wednesday night in our men's Bible study. Something came up and I said, let me be on, let's talk about my week for a second. Last week and on Friday, this was Wednesday, just passed, right? So I'm going back a week and a half now. Friday, we had our encounter. So I didn't get to tuck my girls into bed. They actually slept over at grandma's hospital because by the time I leave church, they're going to be sleeping. We had encounter all day Saturday. And by the time we finished, it was, it was late. We were tired. We were different things. And I had to get up early to go pick up Pastor Joel. So again, I didn't put the girls to sleep uh, because they slept at grandma's house to make it easier for us in the morning. Sunday, by the time I got back from West Palm Beach, I got home to say, hey, mama, give me a kiss. But it's, bare, it's past your bedtime. You need to go to sleep. And then Monday night, I went over to the hospital to visit one of our young people that, that had to be rushed to the hospital. I want to make sure we went. We prayed. We're there with the family. So again, I, I didn't get to put them to sleep. Tuesday night was my grandmother's funeral. They didn't get home till past 11 o'clock. Wednesday night, we were here 
Bible study, I looked at the guys and I said, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I haven't put my kids to sleep. Guess what? I'm out of rhythm. And no matter what happens tomorrow, I'm home putting them to bed. I got to get back online. It's not healthy. I got to put it back on rhythm. Get back to it. I want my daughters to want to love God, which they do. My daughter carries her Bible. Abigail has gotten it. She's a reader. She's an amazing reader and reading a book. She carries her Bible to school. She's reading every time she has an opportunity. And I want them to love God. They, Abigail and Alexander just started taking music lessons. And Abigail's learning piano. Alexander's learning guitar. Alexander looks at Patty and says, Mommy, I'm learning guitar. Abby's learning piano. When we get good at it, we can do live worship with the kids next door. It's like, that's right. Yes, you can. It's very interesting. They're taking their classes. And as they're doing the whole class, the person teaching the class keeps a beat. Why does he keep the beat? Keeps a beat because if they're playing too fast, it doesn't sound right. He keeps a beat because if they're adding too much, it doesn't sound right. He keeps a beat because if they're being inconsistent, it doesn't sound right. And God has given us a metronome. It's called the Bible. And our relationship with him, as we measure our life, we can look and say, are we on beat? Or am I going too fast? Or am I going too slow? Or am I adding too much? Am I out of rhythm? And we're called to get it back to that rhythm so that then we can have the fullness, the life abundant that Jesus promised. Church, it's time to get back on rhythm. Some of us are out of whack. The good thing is this. The good shepherd is there to guide us. He says, here it is. Come on, get back to the beat. Here's the still waters. Come on, get back to the beat. Here's the green pastures. Come on, get back to the beat. Doesn't matter what's going on around you. I'm bringing you back. We have to be willing to adjust to his beat and stay on rhythm. I want everybody to stand to their feet this morning. Worship team can keep coming up to the altar. And I want everybody to close their eyes, bow their heads. It's you and God right now for just a moment, just you and God. But if this morning you can say, Pastor, my life's kind of been a little out of rhythm and I need help from God. I need help from my good, faithful shepherd. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is you and God. And we're going to pray right now. But if that's you and you say, God, I need that help. Raise your hand right up to the sky, right where you're at. This is you and God. Father, you see every person that is here this morning, those that are listening online, those that are watching the broadcast later. And Father, we have understood that different things in our life have burdened us 
to a degree that we're overwhelmed and we're offbeat and off kilter. And we ask you, Father, today to bring us back to the center. Father, bring us back to that place. Lord, I pray that we make the right decisions, that we begin to cut out things in our life that aren't needed, that we begin to focus and center things to what you want and put back into our lives the rest that only comes from Jesus. Lord, you said, come to me, those who are tired and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Father, we are here today and we say it. We're tired, we're heavy laden, we need your rest. Father, help us to get back on rhythm in Jesus' name. Come on, just lift your hands and worship him for a couple minutes.